All right, uh, lift off and the clock has started. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Houston, uh, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Discovery, go at throttle up. And liftoff, the final liftoff of Atlantis on the shoulders of the space shuttle. America will continue the dream. This is The Space Shot, episode 414, This Week in Space History for March 2nd to the 8th. I'm John Mullix. I've got some sad news. I am not able to find my Top 10 Space Movies episode script at all in my OneNote folders, in my Microsoft OneDrive um, account. It's not showing up in Word anymore. Not entirely sure how that happened. Um, I did just switch computers, but it shouldn't have been deleted from a cloud account. I'm going to have to do some more digging, but cursory search here the last 20 minutes has turned up nothing. Thankfully, the Decade in Review episode script is still intact. It's still there, so I'll be recording that episode as soon as I finish up recording this one. Now, let's get to some history. Pioneer 10 set many firsts for a spacecraft after its launch on March 2nd, 1972. I've talked about this spacecraft before in episodes 30, 62, and 203, and I've shared some of those milestones over the past few years, but for those of you that are new to the podcast, here are some details on this incredible spacecraft. Pioneer 10 was the first spacecraft to pass through the asteroid belt, and it later flew by Jupiter in December of 1973. It was the first spacecraft to encounter this massive world. Pioneer 10 was launched on a trajectory that is sending it out of our solar system, and it was the first spacecraft to be launched from Earth on an escape trajectory from our system. The spacecraft also carries a gold plaque that describes where it came from and who built it. It has simple figures representing humanoids, a pattern showing the relative position of our sun to pulsars and the center of our galaxy, and a simple map of our solar system. The last communication with this venerable spacecraft took place in 2003, right after its RTGs, or radioisotope thermoelectric generators, decayed to a point where they no longer generated enough power to operate the transmitter on the spacecraft. Now we've got some shuttle history. The Space Shuttle Endeavour launched on March 2, 1995, on a 16-day, 15-hour long mission, which was the third longest flight of the shuttle program. There were seven astronauts on board Endeavour, along with instruments to study the ultraviolet spectrum of astronomical objects. The ASTRO-2 experiment was a space lab mission specifically designed to conduct astronomical observations in the UV region of the electromagnetic spectrum. Astronauts were able to select from a list of different astronomical objects, which, quote, ranged from some inside the solar system to individual stars, nebula, supernova remnants, galaxies, and active extragalactic objects. One of the experiments that always seemed to fly on a shuttle flight were the protein crystal growth experiments. You've probably heard me mention protein crystal growth before, and it's not some arcane technobabble from a Star Trek episode. 
I'm linking to a NASA article in the show notes that explains more on this process, but here's a quick primer. Quote, Space is an excellent environment to study complex three-dimensional proteins because gravity and convective forces do not get in the way of crystal formation, which allows creation of larger and more perfect crystals. With large crystals, scientists on the ground can use X-ray crystallography to determine how the protein is organized. Determining protein structures helps researchers design new drugs. Next up, we've got another Pioneer mission. Pioneer 4 launched on March 3, 1959. The spacecraft was launched on a lunar flyby and is now in a solar orbit. Pioneer 4 was one of the first spacecraft to be built by NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Pioneers 1, 2, and 3 all failed due to problems with their launch vehicles. Pioneer 4, while not completely successful, was still a success for NASA. Pioneer 4's trajectory sent it past the moon at a greater distance than had been planned for. The automatic camera on board the spacecraft was unable to capture pictures of the moon due to its distance away. It wasn't all for naught, though, as Pioneer 4, quote, did provide extensive and valuable data on radiation and the tracking of space objects. On March 3, 1969, a Saturn V rocket carrying astronauts James McDivitt, David Scott, and Russell Swikert lifted off for the first 10-day-long mission of a shakedown cruise for the Lunar Module and Command and Service Module in Earth orbit. It's incredible to think of the progress that was made between Pioneer 4's launch in 1959 and Apollo 9's launch in 1969. Apollo 9 was the first mission with a piloted lunar module. One of the lunar module tests involved firing the descent engine on the spacecraft, while Gumdrop, the command and service module, and Spider, the lunar module, were docked together. NASA history has a great write-up on the entire mission, and I'm going to be linking to it in the show notes. Here's an interesting passage from that post. Quote, McDivitt then operated the small thrusters to get the docked vehicles into the correct position for firing the lunar module's throttleable descent propulsion system. Seconds after starting the large descent engine, McDivitt shouted, Look at that attitude ball. My God, we hardly have any errors. 26 seconds later, at full thrust, he reported that the errors were still practically non-existent. This NASA history piece continues, Quote, in fact, things were going so smoothly that halfway through the 371.5 second exercise, the commander felt hungry, not an uncommon sensation with him, so he ate before crawling back into the command module. Schweikert stayed behind to shut everything down and straighten up the cabin before joining the others in gumdrop. The lander appeared to be a dependable machine. One final note on a difference between Pioneer 4 and Apollo 9 is the weight of the different spacecraft. Pioneer 4 clocked in at 13.5 pounds compared to the Apollo 9 Command and Service Module Gumdrop and Lunar Module Spider, clocking in at a beefy 91,000 pounds. That's an astonishing increase in payload capability that could be sent into orbit over just a decade. We've got some more shuttle history up next. On March 4th, 1994, the Space Shuttle Columbia launched on the STS-62 mission. 
Columbia was launched with an extended duration orbiter configuration, which included extra cryogenic liquid hydrogen and oxygen, which allowed the orbiter to stay in space for up to 17 days. STS-62 also carried a new stationary bike that was used by the crew for exercise during their time in space. I've talked about exercise in space before. Check out episode 195 and learn about Colbert, or the Combined Operational Load-Bearing External Resistance Treadmill, which is on the International Space Station. On March 5, 1979, Voyager 1 made its closest approach to Jupiter. This planetary encounter started weeks before, with the first images of the largest planet in our solar system coming into view as early as January of 1979. The pictures that Voyager 1 sent back showed an incredible world with swirling cloud bands and giant storms that are the size of Earth. According to NASA, Voyager 1 took almost 19,000 pictures during the encounter with Jupiter and sent back a treasure trove of other scientific data. The Voyager missions were possible because of a unique planetary alignment that allowed a spacecraft to visit the outer planets in our solar system using gravity assists, which moved them farther outward in our solar system, and gained speed with each planetary encounter. This fortuitous alignment of the outer planets occurs once every 175 years or so. The last time the planets were aligned this way before the Voyager missions was when Thomas Jefferson was president, and the next time that the planets will be aligned this way is in 2148. Voyager 1's mission wasn't done after encountering Jupiter. It had a unique course that allowed it to fly by Saturn's moon Titan at the expense of visiting other outer planets as Voyager 2 was able to accomplish. Both Voyager spacecraft were identical and carried the same science instruments and imaging systems. On March 6, 2009, a United Launch Alliance Delta II rocket launched the Kepler Space Telescope into orbit. Kepler searched the skies for nearby exoplanets that orbit stars like our Sun. It was shut down on October 30th, 2018 after running out of fuel. I'll be linking to some more on the Kepler mission in the show notes. Be sure to check out all of the resources for this incredible mission. It's remarkable to think that some of the planets that Kepler helped discover are less than twice the size of Earth and orbit their stars in the habitable zone. Even more interesting, Kepler observed exoplanets that orbit stars as close as 12 light-years away to as far as thousands of light-years away. Just a quick refresher, a light-year is a measure of distance that's a representation of how far light can travel in one year. If you were to measure it out with conventional units that you're familiar with, it would be about 5.9 trillion miles, or 9.5 trillion kilometers. Now for a mission that studies objects a little bit closer to home, the Dawn spacecraft entered orbit around Ceres on March 6, 2015. Ceres is a dwarf planet that was discovered in 1801 by Italian astronomer Father Giuseppe Piazzi. Ceres is 590 miles, or about 950 kilometers across, and it represents 25% of the total mass of the asteroid belt. There's also some evidence that water could be found in a vapor form with cryovolcanoes on Ceres. 
Astronomers estimate that if Ceres were composed of 25% water, it may have more water than all of the fresh water on Earth. Ceres water, unlike Earth's, would be in the form of water ice, located in the mantle, which wraps around the dwarf planet's core. According to NASA, astronomers estimate that if Ceres were composed of 25% water, it may have more water than all of the fresh water on Earth. On March 8, 2001, the Space Shuttle Discovery lifted off on the STS-102 mission. Astronaut Susan Helms performed a spacewalk during this flight, and she was the first woman to stay on the International Space Station as part of an expedition crew. That is it for this week. I do have a call-in number if you'd like to ask a question or leave a comment. Just dial 720-772-7988 and leave a message. I'm looking forward to sharing the questions that you may have with all of the listeners. As always, the links to everything we talked about today are in the show notes. If you're new to the podcast, I'd appreciate it if you could subscribe and leave a review. Reviews in Apple Podcasts help more people find out about the show, and they help make sure it reaches as many people as possible. Until next time, I'm John Mulnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.